Of the Slow Spin Society podcast, I am your usual co-host Paul, and today, as always, I am with your other co-host Fabian. Hello, Fabian. Hello. And today we're gonna talk about the best upgrades you can do for your bike, your fixed gear bike. What is to go first, and then how you go from there, and yeah, what what's better to get. But if you want to hear more about Paris and Amsterdam traffic regulations the new Wahoo Element Bolt or Francesco Moser's Hour Record replica bike, then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast, but more on that later. Also, we now have an Instagram account. Yay, <laughs> after yeah. uh, four months of no Instagram activity and no Instagram account at all, I was actually surprised that the name was still available. But yeah, it's just Slow Spin Society on Instagram. Uh, give us a follow and every episode update, everything you want to learn about the blog and the podcast and everything is going to follow uh, will be on there. So yeah, there's that. Yes. So for this episode, we'll be talking about what we think. So again, this will be kind of a bit different between Paul and me. We'll talk about what we think are the best upgrades for your bike. Yeah, and how you start with something that is in your budget and might just be a bike that fits you and is maybe not the nicest bike you can find around, but you know what? It's a good bike. You bought it uh, with the money you had and maybe you want to upgrade something. Then what is our personal recommendation on what you should upgrade first or what upgrade will make a difference? So I think that one of the most noticeable noticeable or best things to upgrade for your bike that will make like the biggest difference um well comparatively to its price is a proper fitting saddle so you can get a new saddle like they cost what like 100 bucks 150 bucks maybe and even though there are a bunch of different saddles that look cool or or are fancy or rare or whatever i think nothing beats a saddle that fits your butt perfectly because no matter how cool your saddle is if it doesn't fit well and it's not comfortable i think it's just it's like the worst thing there is i mean at least if you ride the bike i do agree yeah i agree <laughs> they're gonna hit me with some <laughs> <laughs> no i i i've thrown a fair bunch of style i was a lot into the physic arione before and then now i switched to the um, slr i've tried some saddles that don't fit my butt and it can make disaster into your backside <laughs> yeah but yeah so one way like there are multiple ways to to find out how uh, which saddle fits best and like the, the most obvious way is you just get a bunch and you try them out and then you return the rest or something like that or you know um, at least yeah. in the netherlands they're like the main bike shop they have a certain amount of saddles like 10 or 15 that say oh you can even use this one and return if it doesn't fit so that's like a really easy way. But if that's not an option, you can also do like these these things where you sit on like aluminum foil or something and then you can see where your your like your butt bones, your sit bones, where they make a dent and then you just measure it like that. You can if I'll link some videos in the show notes, but I think it's really worth going through the hassle of finding the perfect saddle. Because like the yeah, also because the measurements 
finding the perfect saddle, like also the measurements, you can, they apply to all, all saddles. So if you find one, if you find your measurement, you can, yeah, you can find a, a saddle that you like aesthetically as well, eventually. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like there's only two saddles in the market. There's so many of yeah. them and like so many variants. Uh, I feel like you can you can get like a decent one for a good price. I heard a lot of people that said don't use a saddle if it's used, you know, like don't buy a secondhand saddle. I buy almost all my saddles secondhand and I really never had a problem. But if you buy a saddle new in a shop, it's going to be more expensive, of course. But... I think if the person in front of you have the skills to guide you to what is you the best fit for your butt, they might do a little bike fit for you too. So, I mean, that's a plus if, if you decide to buy a saddle. New, yeah. Uh, you might have like a, a frill bike fit, was it? Yeah. And like when I, when I bought my first road bike from a, from a bike store, they also like, you know, they, they include a bike fit and they change the stem out for me and everything like that. So that's like a benefit of buying new as well. And you would only have to do it once with the saddle and you just copy whatever yeah. the measure and you can just buy. But yeah, it's going to be yeah. more expensive, of course, but I guess that's what you pay for them as well. Yeah, I mean, the main aspect of the saddle is how it fits you. And then you have like all the other option of like carbon saddle, titanium rails, everything really. And then finally visual, even if visual is important. Yeah, just take a saddle that fits you and that you feel good for the amount of time you usually ride. I know that I have like a normal SLR with no cutout in the middle. And for my daily, it's good because like it has a little bit of padding in it. And I don't know, I just like it. But for long distances, I think the carbon one was a cut in the middle of it. Because uh, for men, what I heard is that it's just uh, easier on pressure points you know yeah. for your backside and it has actually less padding but since it's carbon it kind of it's kind of more flexy you know um, so for a long distance ride I, I use that one and i have a bib too yeah. so i guess it makes also a difference and it's, it's also like i remember in the beginning sometimes people ask like how how can you how could you use a saddle like that mine's way more comfortable and they show like they're they're completely puffy city bike saddle so yeah yeah it really makes a difference what if the saddle fits or not but yeah so like the fit of, yeah yeah i remember one day I, I arrived to work and i had the dolon seda and i had like a really really thin uh full carbon slr on it and there's one guy outside and he's like you're never going to be able to have children's with it and i was like Yep, not off my problem, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, any saddle is fine. Yeah. All right. For me, uh, one really important upgrade, uh, if, we, if you start with, like, a random uh, fixed gear bike, okay, uh, one really important would be the drivetrain. So, like, bottom bracket and crank and then chainring and cog because those make the difference usually the cheap one they are not even uh, 144 bcd 
they're like 130 or something like the really cheap mish or sugino r2 some stuff like that and to like changing your bottom bracket to something that is actually decent will save you a lot of maintenance trouble and because getting a bottom bracket out and servicing it is a pain in the ass this is kind of like the 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 point that we i would disagree a bit with paul on like the drivetrain to me does not make that much of a difference unless you have like really the the, the shittiest shittiest parts imaginable that don't even work but <laughs> if you have like for example for example if you have like some cheaper like mish pistard or crankset or andal or something and if you if you go up and upgrade to like sugino 75s or dura ace or whatever it's not going to make any difference it's going to make zero difference i feel they do they do no. it's just like high higher quality cranks are just so much stiffer like the stiffness does not if does not like yeah, this is like this is why we disagree on this because I don't think the stiffness makes any difference for people that are not in the velodrome at like racing or anything. If you're just riding the city, you might as well just get the andals or something, which are really good quality as well, because the like the zero point one percent extra stiffness or whatever one percent extra is not going to make a noticeable difference. If you, I mean, if you're using a steel frame, it doesn't matter at all then even. So the bottom bracket, I can kind of agree on that. If you buy a cheap one, it's going to be a pain in the ass to maintain, maintain more. And it's going to like not be that well, that, that good in, in rain or, or any like stuff like this. But I don't think stiffness is that big of an important thing that people should be focusing on when looking at stuff to upgrade. Yeah, it's mainly just about the quality of, of whatever it is. So you just make sure it doesn't crack after two months, then it's more or less already fine. Well, that's the problem because like cheap quality crank sets are prone to cracking because they're just so cheaply made. And if you ride fixed gear, brakeless, you're already putting so much pressure on something that has been designed for like a single speed. And that's kind of what, what I meant with like the the super cheap stuff. Like if you if you stay away from like AliExpress cranks or something, then Anything else above that is more or less fine. Like the all city cranks or andals or mish, those things will are like bomb proof for the average rider. And so if you're racing, then you can benefit from extra stiffness. And I mean, of course, with like Sagino yeah. 75s and Omniums and stuff, like the GXP bottom brackets and the, all that stuff, that they look cool and it's nice to have like that bling, but I don't think the performance really is something that the normal person will notice riding through a city. Well, for example, let's take the bottom bracket because for me, it really makes a difference to a certain point. So a Sugino 75 bottom bracket cartridge is I think like a hundred and something dollars. That's already above a hundred dollars. I ride a Shimano, I think BB 30 or something bottom bracket. That I buy for $12. And it works tremendously good for my use. And I have this on like most of my bikes. And it is dustproof, waterproof. It works well. Um, I do maintenance like what every six months. So not that much. It, it just works good, you know. And I put Sugino 75s on 
that super cheap bottom bracket, which is stupid, but it just works great. Other really, really cheap bottom bracket that you find in really generic uh, bottom line, single speed and fixed gear, those are like, so like they're crap, man. Yeah. They're just like exposed bearings, no grease, and usually they've been installed with, yeah, no, no lubricant, no grease, nothing. And just that little update will save you so many troubles. Yeah. So like with, with like the bottom brackets, it may, it makes more sense to upgrade from like, like cheap to maybe like a bit more expensive because of all these like benefits, like, like clear benefits, right? But with like cranks, crank arms. To be specific, I don't think there's much of a benefit to be gained for a normal person. But then also for the bottom gra- bracket, if you get like the Sagino 75 ones for 100 bucks, that's really good. You could go way cheaper and then you notice the difference. But I think from Sagino 75 bottom bracket to like a Chris King one, you're not going to notice that much of a difference either. Besides yeah. maybe like I mean, yeah, the bling, you support them. And maybe a slightly diff- slightly easier time maintaining. I'm not sure, but like... Yeah. After a certain price point, the more you pay, the less you get in difference. It's like the thing with the bottom bracket. If you buy like a square taper fill, for example, it's inside the frame. Nobody can see that. <laughs> so you have to tell everyone, oh yeah, I have a fill inside. <laughs> oh bro, one second. I need to, need to check my Chris King trademark bottom bracket. <laughs> <laughs> the Chris King, you can see it a little bit, especially if you take like one that is anodized. Yeah. But like, the the feel one is just inside and it's just hiding to there and you can't see it. Then even one step further is getting like ceramic speed or some bullshit like that. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that, that's like should be the last. Like I think if you if you if there is any benefit to ceramic ceramic speed like zero point one percent extra efficiency, I think the people that would benefit from that are not even buying their bikes themselves. They're all sponsored, so <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think they even care. <laughs> Probably. Um, to, to continue on to the drift chain thing, uh, chain ring, what do you think about chain ring? Yeah. Chain ring, I can see as well. Like the, like the material and, and the quality, the CNC, if, if it's, I mean, it's mainly about the material, right? How long it lasts. I don't think like premium engagement will make that much of a difference either for most people. Yeah. For chain ring, I'm all about, uh, upgrading to something nicer and I mean, if you're going to upgrade your crank, you might as well upgrade your chain ring with it. But I mean, you can find so many good, cheap chain rings on the market right now, even like a secondhand Dura Ace track or Sugino or 75 track. Those are not that expensive anymore. Uh, or I don't know, just go for an Arn or something like that. Yeah. But you can find like really, really good chain rings for a decent price. Decent price being under under a hundred euros, and if you find them used, they are usually in really good condition. It's pretty hard to beat a chain ring up till the point that it's completely dead. True. But one thing I will insist, really like a lot on it, because for me it's like one of the most important thing and into beginners groups and Facebook and see that so often is your lock ring. Too many times I see people tightening really, really cheap lock ring 
and not being able to take them off because they're made of out of like bullshit aluminum buy a nice lock ring it doesn't have to be a 70 dollars whatever lock ring just buy like those big extra thick surly ones that are i don't know like 15 bucks or 20 bucks but like they will outlast you and they're really really good because you don't want to screw up your hub, your thread, because you have a bullshit lock ring and you can't get it off or even on. Yeah. Lock ring, important. Yeah, I think the lock ring, especially if you're writing breakless, it's don't skimp out on that. Yeah. Um, so, like like I said before, this is the drivetrain as a second thing is is something that I would disagree with as the best part to upgrade. I would I would replace besides the saddle I think the most beneficial or biggest upgrade would be going clipless like getting a clipless system because you're a clipless yeah boy. and I think that that makes such <laughs> a massive massive difference in how riding is like it changes everything like not just like the shoes and the power anything bullshit like that it's just the entire feel of cycling is different with clipless I am one with the bike. I am one with the bike, yes. I sleep with my bike. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I, I mean, clipless, yeah. But investing in any kind of nice foot retention will make a difference. Yes. So, so if going from like flat pedals to, to straps to cages and then clipless, that's like the, like the progression, I think. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> strap people. Why is clipless all <laughs> over, over the top? because it's just like you don't have there's no there is not a more direct way to pedal than clipless unless you like a robot or something but <laughs> but like i tried clipless toe clips one time on your bike and i i, I mean they, they were they were loose for me so it's not the same ideal situation but even then it's it just feels different if you're wearing like a normal shoe compared to like a nice stiff cycling shoe or something just yeah. the way with when you ride. And this I think this is the best upgrade, not just because like it's nicer to cycle personally, but I think it's also like a reasonable upgrade to have to make it 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 does not cost that much money. Maybe like yeah. hundred in total, hundred and fifty in total to change this. I mean you need to buy the shoes too. Yeah, like the shoes and the pedals. You can get like the like the mountain bike shoes I pedals I have, they were like thirty euros. And then the shoes I, I bought for like eighty euros. So I yeah, yeah. Mm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love to Fuck you. to ride with. <laughs> <laughs> I love to ride with Cliffless, uh, but I kind of feel I feel faster for sure. But I also kind of feel more limited. You know, I can't do tricks as much as I would like to, or I can't. I, it's just, maybe it's just because I'm not used to it as much as cages, but I don't feel at my 100% when I am with clipless. Yeah, I think that also has to do, yeah, it, de it really depends on the riding style. So then I would, maybe I should specify and say, I think this is the best upgrade if you're like, if you're like me and you just like to ride, just to ride. I don't do tricks or anything like that. I don't skate, I just ride. So I think... For my specific scenario, I think this is the best upgrade, but... Yeah. I don't skid, I don't stop, I don't want to. No, I, I just keep going, man. I'm, I'm, I'm cycling right now. 
<laughs> but yeah, for for tricks, I can see why not. And yeah, it takes some time to get used to, of course, as well. Like if you're used to one thing, it's hard to switch to another thing. And I think pedals and system, like, and pedal systems are kind of a personal choice in the end. Yeah. I'm going to go into the next one. And I think it's something that can be really cheap and change the entire way you ride and also your the way your bike looks. But handlebars. Yes. Let's just say you switch from drop to risers or risers to drop or bull moose or whatever. Everything that is not bull horns. But yeah, I think like changing your bars can be like a big, big, not upgrade, but update. Update, you know? yes. Because you are, you're a drop boy, but you also ride bull moose. Which are fairly large. No, I switch. I don't use those anymore. <laughs> God damn it! I switch. I switched them to to drop bars as well. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a fast boy. That's it. Yes. For me, I write both uh, white bars and drops, and yeah, I like both, and it feels good to switch sometimes. Also, the the different style of writing and the different way you think when writing, like. When you have drops, it's like, oh, it feels so nice. I, I am so fast and I can fit through any gap, you know? Yeah. And when you have wide bars, I have like 750. You have so much control on your bike. But you're like in like a, a crowded area and you're like, nope, I don't fit there. I'm going to have to hop that sidewalk or <laughs> just go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And. Um so like in this case, I think update is a, is also a good way to like frame this entire episode. Maybe not best upgrades, but best updates. Maybe both. But I think, like you said, it's good to to play around and see which bars are are good or which ones you prefer, or just to experiment. So I'm also glad I tried the Bulmus bars because I think they look really cool. But then I tried yeah. them and I didn't really like them as much as drop bars. So at least now I know. And yeah. Yeah. Just don't ride bullhorns. <laughs> I was, I'm, yeah, I'm never gonna. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like people, I, I know that some people have been listening, listening to this ride like bullhorns, and yeah, more power to you. But I, I will never touch them. <laughs> I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I started with bullhorns, like a lot of people, and why is that? Yeah, like what? I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because like so many cheap bikes come with bullhorns. Uh, I mean, they used to come with bullhorns, and now they come with. Risers. Back in my day. In my day, you know, in the good old times. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm curious. Actually, no, I'll take it back. I'll, I, I just like contradicted myself. I was like, oh, I'll try new things, blah, blah, blah. But I'll never touch bullhorns. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll try bullhorns eventually. I'm curious. But I don't think, I, I don't like the way they look. And yeah, let's see. Maybe maybe there's, there's that's going to be like a mind-blowing thing, trying them for the first time. But I don't know. Bullhorns sounds like later price drops you can do the same with drops but you can do more so why bothering with bullhorns it's like 33.2 percent less tubing that saves some weight <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> okay next one next one i think i think we might agree on this i mean maybe not as a fifth fifth point but tire size I think that makes a really big difference. And that's, I think, maybe might be the cheapest change, even. One of the cheapest changes. Uh, Probably, yeah. 
So when I first started riding, I was on, I think, 21 or 23 millimeter. And I didn't know any better. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I was looking online a bit and someone said, oh, precursor can fit 28 millimeters. So I bought them. And it's like night and day. Like, it's just way more comfortable. And, and like, I don't have to be scared of like small, small curbs or cracks or anything. And yeah. Yeah. Especially for city riding. Yeah. And I think going up, Going, yeah, not going down, but going up in tire size will make a significant difference in how your bike feels and how, how you can ride and what you can do. Yeah. I mean, at that point, there, is, there isn't any reason for anyone to go 23 millimeters because some studies said that 25 was actually more effective than 23. So, and 23 is just so thin you know uh yeah it's just i had a frame and i built it up and i was like holy shit 25 doesn't fit i just took the dremel out and made 25 fit in the fork (laughs) because i'm not riding 23 it's just too thin yeah so i think people used to even go down to like 18 or something yeah like on super velodrome thing is uh i had like a 19 tubular tire uh at some point jesus christ yeah so i don't even want to try that i don't think i'll ever go down to down to below 23 for any reason yeah when you have a tire that thin you're like yeah i am one with my bike but at some point you're just one with the entire road because you can feel everything into it So yeah, tire sizes. I think it's a it's a cheap update or upgrade, whatever you want, and it can make a lot of difference. But not only the size, but the quality of your tires. Yes. So like the upgrading from size, this one will make a difference regardless of how good quality your your tires are. So like, it, it's fifteen euro twenty three versus a fifteen euro twenty eight. Whatever it is, the size will make a big difference. But another thing, another upgrade. So this is a different point. Is upgrading from one quality to a higher quality tire this is something that i i think i've spoken about this in like the last two or three episodes even but but yeah (laughs) upgrading tire quality makes a big difference in how riding feels and i again this is only in my specific scenario because i don't skid and they would last they will last me quite a long time so if you just ride if you just like to ride then I, i think this is a really good upgrade as well like going to like gp4 seasons or something yeah if you don't skid yes if you do skid then i feel it's it's also okay to get away with tires that are less expensive especially if you have to change it every i mean it depends on everyone riding style but it'd be one month to half a year but sometimes you have cheap tires that also rides really good but i do agree that uh if you go up in quality and then in price like your quality of riding will will change a little bit because it's also like your only contact with the road so taking something that is just higher in quality will make a difference yeah. like there's like this saying i heard somewhere i think when i was like buying furniture for my apartment now but it's like someone somewhere said like don't be greedy about things that separate you from the ground. So invest in good shoes, invest in a good chair at the desk, invest in a good mattress 
Yeah. And if you if you apply this to a bike, then it would be the saddle, I guess, and the the tires. Yeah. And maybe even like you can also add the handlebars and bar tape and stuff like that. Like that, those things, the things that you touch, the contact points, those make a big difference. You know how you yeah and what you feel. And then you can add pedals too. Yeah. What tire would you recommend? Uh, so I've tried Pirelli. I forgot which ones in the past. The P zero. This was a while ago. I think the P zeros are new, but they were at the time the Pirellis I bought. They were also like forty two euros, and they were they were good. They they were good, but the ones I use now are uh, GP Four Seasons by Continental, and those are the best I've ever had. Especially in the Netherlands, where it's always kind of wet outside, it it gives it gives so much grip, and it just feels really comfortable to ride on them, and it just feels faster. Yeah, GP Four Seasons are good. They're kind of too grippy for me, you know? Yeah, for skidding or, or stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't want to destroy my knees. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like uh, gator skins. Or like, when I go on to long rides and I want quality tire, I put gator skins on. Yeah. Yeah, the way I understand it, they are just resistant to punctures and every little thing that you can get on the road. So gator skins for me. But I also like really cheap tires that I can use and not care too much about it. You know, that was that was the thing to use like a pretty good tire in the front, something that is really grippy and something else in the back that is just not that expensive and you could just skid through forever. Thick slick. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember at the time it was like Zafiro in the front because it's like super grippy and kind of cheap. And in the back it was uh, Randonneur because it's... It's heavy. It's like stupidly heavy, but it's so thick, you know, like you can go through so many layers before actually getting a puncture. Yeah. I really want to try gator skins. I'm really curious. Gator skins are good. Because they, they have the black ones now, right? Like the full black. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. I also good. saw in Paris this week, uh, uh, some people were doing a shooting for new Hutchinson tires. And it's a limited edition, and they have kind of a, I would say, uh, yeah, lizard skin or snake skin pattern on the side, like beige, kind of. But it's over every marking. So you end up with a tire that has no marking, or it's really hard to see, and it's a limited edition something. And I was like, oh, that's a good looking tire, but I am not paying $70 for one tire. It's not happening. Yeah. Ah, yes, that's that's too crazy sometimes. But like on on the subreddit for for fixed gear bicycles, there someone recently posted their their Chinelli Mash histogram build with like zip eight hundred eight and stuff and lace to fills everything. Just like looks like a nice build, and then on the back thick slicks. <laughs> like why? Some people just like them, you know. Some people are just so yeah. Okay, them. okay. I I'll, I will not talk uh, trash talk too much. <laughs> No, but yeah, I guess for like a roadie that is going to put so many miles on his tires, then yeah, like 70 tire, $70 tire can make sense at some point in some kind of parallel dimension. It makes sense. But for me, it just doesn't mm. or a tire that is over 40 bucks. It's already a lot of money for a tire. Uh, actually, I bought, uh, I think we talked last week uh, on the pre-show that I'm going on to an adventure 
uh, and it will be mostly gravel. So I bought gravel tires that are not stupidly heavy and I paid 37 euros for one tire. And I was like, damn, that's already a lot of money. I <laughs> that's, already you. Like, <laughs> that's already like 80, almost 80 bucks for a pair of tires. And I'm like, wow, tires will make a difference, but it's, it's a lot like everything on this list. It is based on personal preferences and riding style and yeah. yeah. And budget, of course, oh, of course, uh, next one. So this is more from me and not for Paul, but since I ride with a front brake, new brake Fuck pads, you. <laughs> new, new brake pads make a massive difference. I, I mentioned it last week in the pre-show or something, but I, I bought like a Tektro caliper and they came with the Tektro pads and they're shit. So I bought like Ultegra, Shimano Ultegra pads and it makes, they were like, they were like 25 bucks and it made such a big difference. So yeah, if you ride with brakes and you haven't changed the pads in like, I don't know, like a year or something, if you just buy new pads, it will like give you like a completely new, new experience. Will like yeah. elevate you to the status of God or something. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and also like maintenance. Yeah, your pads is is actually pretty important if you want to if you want the same braking quality over time. Yeah, like making sure they're angled properly and like you know adjusting the 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 distance and everything over time. Yeah. Yeah, and getting rid of like all those little pieces of aluminum. If you have an aluminum rim, uh, you have like a lot of little pieces of aluminum that will get into the pads and yeah if you just take care to remove those sometimes it's better mm. you know that actually most pads they're not abrasive enough to take out the anodization out of your rim if you have like a black aluminum rim but everything that is going to get stuck in between the pad and the rim does ah. So if you have like if you clean your pad like like a maniac every day, you can keep your black aluminium rim black for so much longer. That's good to know. So Yeah. So to keep maintaining them. Yeah, and I think there is also like uh there are like transparent pads that are way less abrasive. Uh, apparently they're also super they make a lot of noise, but they will not almost not use the the anodized part on your rim but yeah it's if you have i know it's a problem for a lot of people that want to keep the look of like a, a plain black rim but also want to use brake it might be a solution for this i looked into this for a long time because i want to know if i could stay with my gunmetal rims and having like brake pads for like a commuter and there is some solution, but there isn't any miracle because it's one surface having contact with another one and rubbing against it. At some point, the anodizing is going to go. At some point, yeah. Yeah. So it's not a forever solution, but, you know, it might make the life of your rim longer. I mean, the, the brake track. Yeah. It's like the best ne next best thing then. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so the next upgrade or update is a bike GPS. And again, very, very dependent on how you ride. So if you don't care about numbers and, and like going long distance with routes and stuff, this does not this does not apply to you. Yeah. 
I feel like this one, the the, the list doesn't have any order anymore. No, no. It's out <laughs> no. of time stuff. I think but, the first five were in order and then it kind of got yeah. a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, bike GPS. Yeah, it can change the way you ride and it can also motivate you to go on longer rides since you have the map, you know where you're going and you know that it is programmed for you to come back uh, uh, at any point, yeah, you know? Yeah. I see a bike GPS kind of as a confidence boost, you know? Yeah. You know that is mapped and you know that it's going to take you around four hours to ride from here to here. And you just know. And it's also just nice, I think, if, if people like to see, maybe not like with like heartbeat sensor, cadence sensor, power meter, whatever, but like just, <laughs> just like basic... Um, yeah, basic speed, distance, and time, and then people can already kind of track their their progress if they're like if they got into cycling to lose weight or become fitter or or any other reason. It's a nice way to see oh, I'm actually making progress and a bit faster this time, or like comparing it to a few months ago, etc. I think it can really change how one how one cycles in the end with what objective yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, just don't put yourself at risk to try to bear your record or anything no that's yeah like some some <laughs> gps like the, like the wahoo element and like gar garments they have like you can set the option oh strava segment coming up get ready and then yeah, people just go crazy because they see it and then they don't pay attention <laughs> to what they're actually doing so yeah watch out with that it's not worth it <laughs> yeah and i mean like if i gps you can get what the cheapest one is around 200 bucks i guess uh yeah, yeah, like if you want with a map, I think you can go even even lower. Like, like like the big names are Garmin and and Wahoo, but then there's also like Lizine and and other tiny tiny names. But if you just want like speed, time, and distance, you can already you can get them for like twenty five bucks already. Oh wow, okay. Like, but those yeah. are not like connected to Strava or anything. No, so those are only like you put like a little sensor on your fork, and then it it sees how much you're rotating, and then it calculates. Oh yeah, it, it's like, stuff not like a that. GPS thing. No, no, just like the base, the okay. really the basic stuff. Interesting. I'm gonna head on to the next one, which is nicer bar tape or grips, and <laughs> I mean I am kind of a weird place into this because I use almost only cotton tape. Which is the worst kind of tape? Uh, destroy your hands. It's just not comfy, but I just like it and I'm used to it. <laughs> and sometimes I have my jobs, for example, have lizard skins and they feel so comfy. And it's like <sighs> laying in bed, you know? <laughs> so what do you think? Like, yeah, I'm on the same boat. I, I buy the cheapest, the cheapest, cheapest bar tape I can find always. But... I always tell myself one day I'll get lizard skins and then I see the price like twenty nine ninety nine. I'm like, no, I cannot do this, man. How can I do this? <laughs> but one day I'll, I'll I'll do it. But right now I'm using like the cheapest one and it does not feel that good. I've tried lizard skin <laughs> one time at like a bike store and they they feel great. And then I see the, it's just like the price that turns me off for yeah <sighs> yeah. So we need to take our own advice into we need to take our own advice sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like it can be like a great a great upgrade on, on your setup uh and of course to have something that is comfier at some extent like i feel sometimes 40 euros or 40 bucks is just too much for buy tape but it's also the point of contact with your bar with your bike 
Yeah. I guess it's also important, but it also depends like how long you ride and how comfy you are uh, on your bars and how comfy, how good is your bike fit in general? Because maybe if you're leaning too much forward and so you have like a lot of pressure on your hands, then you definitely want something that will be more comfy. Yeah. I, yeah, it really depends as well. Like for a while, I was thinking I could just wear wear gloves, but I don't want to wear gloves. But gloves could make a difference as well. That it makes like every bar tape comfortable, more comfortable at least. Yeah. But I guess if you, if you're putting so much effort into your full build, like a oh, hundred fifty dollar chain ring, sixty dollar super toughness chain, you might as well spend the extra thirty on on nice bar tape. But it's easy. It's yeah. like like I said, it's easy for us to say this stuff without actually doing it. And when it comes down to it, we're not going to do it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like on the main, like one of the main cycling websites to buy stuff from in the Netherlands, the, the highest rated board tape is from Supercars. Yeah. Thirty thirty nine euros. Thirty nine. Oil oil yeah. slick, your favorite. Oh no! Disgusting. <laughs> oh my god. One thing that is, I'm going to put in the same category because uh, it's different, but it's on the same area. It's having hoods. Uh, even if you ride brickless, having hoods on your drops can change drastically the way you ride. Especially if your drops have a short reach, and so it's hard for you to find a position that you're comfy in. Uh, if you had hoods, even just take the lever out of them if you don't want to see those. But it makes things so much more comfier. And someone in our in the podcast Discord server actually ordered some fake hoods from I think LFGSS, so from the UK, a UK forum. And he ordered like fake hoods that you place underneath, yeah, like the um, the bar tape. And yeah. it looks pretty good. And I can imagine it's really comfortable because when I when I use my drop bars, I don't have them I, and. I don't have the fake hoods, and I put my hands where the hoods would be. I can feel like I have to pay more attention or like exert more effort to not like slide too far because there's nothing yeah. stopping my hands, and it is kind of annoying. Yeah, I have like drops with a good enough reach that I can be comfy in, but I also have the exact same drops, zips, LS, uh, SL seventies, and I have the exact same one but with hoods. It just feels so much better. Hmm. Even if the drops without feels good, with hoods, it's just so much more comfier and yeah, it's easier, you know? Definitely. So that also can can improve your experience, especially if you do long rides. I can understand that you'd want something that is more comfy. So like bar tapes and hoods can definitely make a difference. Yeah. And just on a side note, like I was cycling like like I cycled a week ago and there was like 54 kilometer per hour winds like crazy wind I cycled three days ago or two days ago also 45 kilometer per hour winds like crazy stuff so I was trying like the the the, the hand position where you put your arms over the middle of the bars right yeah and it's so much easier to cycle like that I mean like like go faster but my neck hurt after, after that ride because you have to like put your neck up to look so I was like thinking, <laughs> it would be nice to have like clip-on TT bars or something, but they they look weird, so maybe not. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> uh, next thing. Okay, so this is going to be a, a slightly pricier 
I think this deserves to be called an upgrade rather than update, but a different wheel set, a new wheel set. So yeah. chances are if you bought a pre-built bike, I don't know, I'm not going to throw out any specific brands or names, but chances are it came with fairly heavy uh, aluminum rims that are, yeah, that could that could like well be replaced by something lighter, also aluminum, of course, or, or carbon if you want to have carbon, but just like a high quality aluminum rim can be much lighter and make a big difference. Yeah. Or this can even be like a different spoke pattern if you if you have like a different riding style or you're heavier or you're lighter, etc. These these can already make a significant difference with, with the way the bike feels on the road. Yeah, and upgrading your wheels, I mean, it makes like for a huge aesthetic difference. But riding wise, apart from the weight, it's usually not that different, you know? Mm. Like some pre-built wheel set are already okay i would say yeah i mean you don't have to worry about it and they are usually bomb proof though like yeah. they're super sturdy but if you want to buy like another wheel set i don't know maybe you want like different hubs or different rims uh, or you just have like the opportunity to buy something nicer for a good deal then it really depends on what's going to be your use for it you know and maybe bigger inner whiz so you can put bigger tires yeah it's like up to anyone really there's so many settings and parameters for like having a different set of wheels for me the logical next upgrade after a good pair of wheels would be something you you choose to build like something custom choose your hub choose your rim choose your spokes and make something that you like and reflect your riding style yeah but you can start with the most basic set of wheels, then creep up your way to, I don't know, like Mesh Pistards or Mavic Ellipse, stuff like that, and then go for something custom, I'd say. Yeah. What What do you think is the difference between like Grand Comp hubs and Phil Woods? Like what's the main noticeable difference? aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> okay like 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 when cycling then i mean for the hubs and that's what something i put into one article on the blog but for the hubs i feel like the higher you go in quality up to a certain point the less maintenance you have to do on it yeah but to a certain point yeah for example, the jump from a 140 euros pair of mental BMX hubs to a 600 euros Philhood hubs is, from my point of view, not worth it no. apart from aesthetic. And it's not something you can feel when cycling, like it's not going to spin that much Absolutely better or anything like that. Absolutely not. No. Mainly like aesthetics and, and maybe maintenance then, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you have like Novatech hubs that are really cheap, you can get a pair for $30. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing euro and dollars, but because <laughs> I look online prices and I live in Europe, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you can find a pair of those, I mean, they're good hub as long as you maintenance them and the washer slash nuts slash lock nut setting on it is kind of tricky to get something right and something that is smooth, you know? But if you go, yeah, just a little bit higher in quality, you already have something that 
will last a long time without any maintenance. Yeah. Phil Hood is kind of the the fixed gear mecca, you know, and you know it's bombproof and you never going to break it and it will never need maintenance and yeah, you're good with it. But a way higher cost. I would not say it's overpriced because no, it's not a price. It's not a price. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sponsor we cut out for this week's episode. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but of course, like, if it's made in the US or made in Germany or made in France, then it will command a higher price. But yeah, yeah after... that, that also makes a difference. But of course, like, after a certain point, you're paying for the name and, like, the reputation. Yeah. I mean, something that is CNC machined in the US and then anodized in the US, assembled in the US with... Japanese precision ceramic bearings. Made in the US. No, in Japan. <laughs> yeah. And uh, with people that have been paid uh, a decent rate for the tremendous good job they make, then yes, it's going to cost money because you're buying the hub, but you're also buying the people that put the research and development into it. And you're also buying the people assembling it and you like all that stuff people checking it, quality check, everything. Yeah. And you buying the name. You're buying all of that. Yeah. I feel that, yeah, expensive hubs, most of them looks amazing. But you're also quite good with cheaper ones. Yes. What about rims, though? What do you think on rims? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, if, if they're not overly heavy, if they're not crazy heavy rims or anything like that, I think you can get away with most of the rims on the market. Like after a certain point, you're paying like extra hundreds of dollars just to save like 50, 100 grams. And that won't make that much of a difference to most people. Especially right now as like the gravel market being so wide, you can have like, I mean, DT Swiss has some really, really good rims for 30 bucks, 30, yeah, 30 dollars, euro, whatever for like one rim, which is super cheap for a good rim. Yeah. Like I've I've considered once in the past, like or a few times in the past, building my own rims. A wheel set would be fun. So if you're able to do that, if you're if one is able to build their own wheel sets, like using like your guide on on the website or whatever, it it opens way many way more doors to making a custom set of wheels just for the way you ride and your budget and all that stuff. Yeah, it also has like a a thing when you build your own wheels. You're super proud of yourself. Like, I built that and I'm riding my own rails and I'm happy with it. Yeah. And you also have, you became more knowledgeable on how to true a wheel and maintenance it. Mm. All right. On to, not the last one, but kind of the final boss of upgrades. Um, after you upgraded everything. Is add a derailleur and 12 gears. Uh, <laughs> no so the final thing and this is the most drastic change that one can make is of course a new frame so it can be like different material different brand uh different geometry different size it can be anything but it will because everything revolves around it it will drastically change like you will basically change bike at that point yeah it makes this is not only about like the size of the frame but also about the geometry and the and the material, right? Yeah. I mean, let's say you start with like a something that is steel. And usually if you go into like base of the line, you're going to have like really low quality tubing. You can even go with another steel frame, but with better tubing. 
Yeah. And it will be so much stiffer, or at least it will be stiffer in the right places. And if you go with aluminum, it'll feel completely different. If you go with titanium, it'll just be more expensive. Uh, and feel go... different. <laughs> no, it's more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you go with carbon, then you're crazy. No, just kidding. Uh, if you go with carbon, then it will feel like it will feel like a a big plank of wood <laughs> that you're riding, or a big rock, but a light one. Changing your frame will change everything, basically. And probably like the biggest upgrade, like the most like expensive and biggest upgrade that you can do in regards to the frame is going custom sizing, a custom sized frame, like either like steel or or titanium. I don't think I don't know if there are any aluminum or carbon track bikes that are built uh, custom for size, but steel and and titanium th that would make a big difference as well. Then if it's perfectly sized for your your height and your inseam and stuff like that. I think Korima, if they still do carbon frames, they only take to order like size order. Ah, okay. Uh, they have like some predetermined sizes, and they will. But they will like do one for your measurements. But yeah, I mean, having like a custom built frame for your size, your size only, is kind of the the holy grail and the final boss. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> but it is also extremely expensive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I feel you can get a lot of fun even without. A custom built frame set. You can spend your entire life and having a blast without a custom made frame set. But if you're into that, then and if you have the the budget, yeah, then 100% go for it. Uh, and it's also nice to make uh frame builders work because there we have some really really cool frame builders right now. Uh, like yeah. I don't know, like number 22 or Vice in New York. Uh, I mean, bunch of people that really know what they're doing. Even in France, I mean, shortly, but it's still a secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a lot of bike builders in in the Netherlands as well and and around Europe. I think only like a tiny. I don't know. If, I don't actually know any frame builder that makes track bikes. Unfortunately, They're all road or gravel or mountain. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, frame builder for track bikes usually. I mean. If someone makes road bikes, you can, I think you can try and ask him to make like a track bike. Yeah. It's definitely a different geometry, but I mean, sometimes they're okay with it. There's also some like little nicks and knacks here and there that you can change on your bike that will not make a big difference, but sort of do like the, the headset, for example, it's like uh, for the, for the hubs, right? Yeah. So with the headset, I think the the main benefit as well is like ease of maintenance rather than any noticeable performance boost or anything like that. Like if you if you have a really cheap headset, like a 10 euro one or something, it's probably going to be like a bitch to clean and to maintain stuff. But if you have a 40, 50 euro FSA or Cane Creek, that will be like already the top of the line. And then you can, of course, go even higher to, K to Chris King. But that's mainly then you're paying for like we mentioned in the pre in the previous section with hubs, yeah. you're paying you're paying for the name for development that's made in the U.S. and the name, yeah, it's bling. Yeah, it's bling. But the jump from a low quality headset to something decent is definitely noticeable. Yeah, 
like no doubt on that like for maintenance but also for uh longevity and you don't Definitely. want a bad headset stuck into your frame like yeah like chances are if you buy like a nice i don't know like let, let's just say let's just say 50 60 70 euro fsa or cane creek headset it's going to outlive your bike yeah no doubt um and other other upgrades include like bolts you can get different colored bolts or different material bolts even for your crank set for example or your stem or your, your, yeah. your top cap people like, that go crazy and replace every bolt on their bike by titanium just to get that extra gram rides of japan <laughs> <laughs> that's a youtuber on, on on yeah it's that's a youtuber who really cares about weight and he, do, he does this yeah um, and you know what why not i think it's pretty cool i don't do it <laughs> but i mean if i had the mean to do it why not Man, if I had the money to do it, I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a pain in the ass to do that all over the bike. But, but aren't you like super proud of yourself when like you place every possible bolt by the lightest option possible out there and you're like, yep, now there's nothing else to change. <laughs> I don't know if I would be proud of that, to be honest. Because you're like down to the last bolt, you know, like every gram counts down to the last ball that's some super weight weenie material at that point but yeah uh, maybe like weight weenie and then next day just go eat like lots of food everything <laughs> gone all the benefits are gone and then you shave your head <laughs> shave your head eyebrows mustache beard back everything <laughs> remove like ball a... sack for more aero <laughs> <laughs> tuck it tuck tuck in ball sack <laughs> uh yeah okay so next is upgrading to carbon so it can be um, like either like rims like we talked before or frame or anything they can upgrade uh that has a carbon variant i felt like most of the time it's not worth it because no, most of the time no. carbon is just carbon has come a long way since the 90s but it's still not 100 percent okay with me uh i mean carbon chinese carbon rims not worth it to a good quality aluminium rim carbon stems usually have that extra flex that you don't have with an aluminium one i think the one that is okay is carbon seat post and that's on to my next point is like stem and seat post so stem really quick uh you can just it will change your position and the way you ride and fill your bike. So, I mean, that's good, right? Yeah. But seat post. So, I I watched that video, uh, you know, like gravel frame that have like a dropped uh, chain stays to fit like bigger tires, but also kind of act as a suspension because, I don't know, frame geometry or something, uh, flexibility and, and all that science stuff. But the guy was actually saying that 40% of your, quote, suspensions, even on, like, a rigid bike, right? Yeah. Is tires, okay? So you take, like, a little cobble on the road. Like, 40% of that will be, of that shock, kind of, will be absorbed by the tires. The next big thing is 30% or 20% is the seat post. Having a different seat post kind of have an influence on your bike comfort and having, for example, a seat post that is 
flexier, and I'm putting big quotes around flexier, uh, can change the way you, you feel the road underneath you. And then you can even go all the way to dropper posts. Yeah, that's something else. <laughs> and those will make a big difference as well, especially if you like ride gravel or like single track or something. Yeah. With a fixed gear. Yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> sound right. <laughs> that doesn't sound okay. All right, everyone. So in this episode, we've discussed quite a lot. Like, I think like 15 different parts of your bike or around, around that that you can change on your fixed gear bike. In the end, a fixed gear bike is a simple bike and there is not that much that can be changed besides like the main parts. And we hope that this can maybe perhaps help you decide what next thing you want to change on your bike. Or confuse you even more, matter of fact. Or confuse you even more, yeah. <laughs> and this also shows that even though we give you guys like advice, or maybe not advice, but we say things that we don't do it ourselves, like the bar tape. Take everything we say with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We are not pros by any means, and we're just here no. to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, this is pretty much all we have time for today. Uh, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slowspinsidey.com. You'll also find the suggestion box where you can tell us uh, what we should talk about in the podcast. Uh, it's on the top right corner, suggestion box, and just drop us a message if you have an idea for an episode. Uh, you can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes. Always our shiny new instagram account at slow spin society sharing the podcast with your friend is the easiest way to support the show or by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice and if you get value out of the show why not consider putting value back in by visiting our patreon page patreon.com slash podcast to join our community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week we are now at 16 Patreons, bringing us closer to our monthly goal and more privileges for every tier. Thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Amaria, and the illustration is by Julia Joe. And that will settle down this podcast. Yes, thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, pretty good episode. And yeah, everything we talked about today, uh, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you are free to upgrade your bike however you want to upgrade it. Everything is fine with us, really. <laughs> All right. Uh, see you guys next Monday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.